Uh, not right now, but if you look in your book, it's number 73. You might uh, do good just to peek it over a little bit, because eventually, get familiar with the words, eventually we're going to sing that. Uh, that's a good Sunday morning song. Lift him up. Lift And uh, just playing different ones. I'm like, I know that, but that's, it's around Hamilton, but it's not the one I know. And we got to looking at it. It's a good song. So, amen. All right. So I'm not gonna, we're going to be in tons of scriptures tonight, so just keep your Bible handy. Okay? Okay, so we're going to look at stewardship and tithing. Stewardship and tithing. Okay? Um, now... And there are various views, I don't know if you, how many of you know this, but we generally practice what is called storehouse tithing. Um, there is arguments for it, there's arguments against it. Um, I don't, there's one thing I know you can't get away from, is tithing. Uh, and we're, we're going to see that tonight. And it sure does look by New Testament example, uh, it appears to be that most of that is done through the local church. So, tithing. Not all offerings, believe it or not. The uh, Bible says in some ways to take care of the poor, to do that every Christian seems like they should have their own benevolence fund. That's certainly how I see that one, that one passage of Scripture being uh, let every man set by him, himself, in store. Uh, and uh, talking about giving, giving to the poor. But we're going to look a little bit at stewardship and tithing. So first of all, stewardship. Stewardship. Now we're going to start here. Because stewardship, as you well know, covers a lot more than just money. It covers a lot more than just money. So here's the three primary principles, okay? The three primary principles by which all stewardship, all financial giving, all personal giving, all use of talent, all use of spiritual gifts, all use of time, all those things, here's, here's the first three principles by which all the rest are gauged, Okay? So first of all, why don't you turn to Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24.1. And while you're turning to Psalm 24, I'm going to read you Exodus 19.5. So you turn to Psalm 24. Exodus 19.5, and if you can write that down if you want to look it up later, says this. God says, Now therefore... If ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Okay? All the earth. How much do you think that includes on the earth? It's all God's. It all belongs to God. It's all, all on the earth. You understand that that's not just talking about moolah. It's talking about material is talking about people i mean if you want to get real down to it everything that is on the earth all the resources all the gold all the oil all the trees all of it the earth the dirt every bit of it the air it is god's it belongs to god now notice here in psalm 24 verse 1 the psalmist says the earth is the lord's which is what exodus 19 says and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. Again, a repetition from the psalmist, from a man's viewpoint, that everything belongs to God. That's principle number one. 
everything belongs to God. Everything. Everything. Well, what does that include? Well, it's a principle. This is a good principle to start off with. That means your money belongs to God. That means, that, that means, that means, I know some means. that's kind of interesting. Anyways, that means you belong to God. That means, wow, means your talent belongs to God. Not you, God. Well, I just don't feel comfortable in front of all those people. It wasn't up to you to use, it's up to God to see, use how he sees fit. Okay, all of your resources, those came from God because they belong to him. Your health <laughs> belongs to God. I, one of the, um, there's, a, there's a, uh, a BBC show called Time Team that I enjoy watching, which you should watch that, Brother Craig. Uh, it, and it's a group of archaeologists that run all over primarily England or, or the United Kingdom and a little bit into some other countries, and they, they do a bunch of archaeological digs. They have three days to do it. Well, one of the digs they did was on an old World, world War I, I believe, machine gun camp, machine gun training camp. And in the process of doing this, nearby family members brought in stuff. One of those was a letter from a young man back to his home, and I couldn't tell if it was parents or, or wife, but he basically said... Um, I am, off, I am off to the war. I am off to the battle. And don't you worry for me. Don't, don't worry for me. And, and he did. He did. There's a young man who did die in battle. He says, the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And I firmly believe, now I'm paraphrasing, you understand. I firmly believe that God is in charge of, of my appointment so I have no more to fear on the battlefield than if I was at home with you. So you shouldn't fear, and I'm not going to fear, because if I'm going to die, whether it be there or here, it was appointed by God that that be the time. What an acknowledgement of the ownership of God. And now listen, here's how that principle applies. That young man exemplified it. He did not worry I'm sure there was some human fear. I, you almost can't get away from that. But he chose to take that fear and put it in the hands of God. And I, honestly, a lot of us would be good when we face things like COVID to realize that we're no more in danger facing COVID than we would be if we were at home sitting in our easy chair or if we were on the battlefield. It is appointed unto man once to die. And God, we are in God's hand. Everything belongs to God. Amen. And God himself says in Haggai 2.8, well, yeah, Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. (laughs) It's all God. So principle number one, everything belongs to God. Principle number two, every believer, every believer is a steward of God's belongings. (laughs) Every believer is a steward of, of God's stuff, okay? Now, Matthew 24 is, the, is primarily where we get this idea, okay? It is a kingdom of God parable, Matthew 24. It's a kingdom parable. And if you, some of you are familiar with the parable, it's the parable of the, 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 the master who went away and left behind the, the talents or the money, okay? 
Um, so Matthew 24, if we look down in verse 14 and 15, do I have a right? Yes, no, 25. That's, that didn't look right. Yeah, 25. Chapter 25, Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now we can, we can look and cross-reference a lot of other things, a lot of other verses. As a matter of fact, we could continue reading in this passage right here, uh, where we find a, a very direct reference to us and our responsibility. But you are a steward. You're not, you are not to be concerned about how many talents you're given. You're not to, be, you're not to, be, to worry about how much you're given. What, you're to, what you are to be concerned with, not worry about, but to be concerned with and put your effort into is what God has given you. What has God given you? You are a steward of that. Now, some of you have heard the story, I believe I've quoted it here once at least, about, uh, I believe it's an old Greek fable actually, uh, or based on, but uh, God came down and, and saw a man and, and he said, he said uh, you're one of mine, he said, and I've got a job for you. And he gave him the cart and he put three rocks in the cart and he said, your job is to push these three rocks in this cart to the top of the mountain. And off the man went. And he was doing fine. Some places were a little harder. Some places were fairly easy. But he made his way along and things weren't too bad. He was doing okay. It was, a, you know, again, pushing three rocks up, up a hill can be a little bit of work every once in a while, maybe pulling it sometimes. But he was able to accomplish the job that God had given him. Along the way, he found someone who said, man, you've got that big old cart. He said, all God gave me was a couple of jars of sand. He said, I'm, I've really, I've, I don't really want to go any further up the mountain. I found a wife here at this spot, and I just would really like to stay here. Would you mind, you know, it's not much. Would you just take these few jars of sand and add it to your, to your cart? And he said, yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's not that much. We can add it. And so he puts it in, and he begins to push. And it's a little harder, but not too bad. And along he goes, and he's... He's finding it a little bit harsher, but not, you know, it's still accomplished, something he can do. So he makes it further up the mountain, and along the way, after a long way, someone else he meets and says, I'm just wore out, I just can't do this anymore. I, I still want to get to the top of the mountain, but I'm not sure I can do it. And God gave me these, these, these small rocks. I got this bag of small rocks, and, and I, if you, could you help me? By helping me up the mountain, by helping me carry this bag of small rocks. And the guy, yes, I, I understand it can be hard sometimes. Not connecting the dots that he's pushing a big cart and all this person's got is a bag of, bag of small rocks. And he adds the bag of small rocks to the top of his cart. And along he goes. And now after a little while, man, it is getting hard. Oh, man, he's, and he's pushing up the hill and he spots where he, he can barely get that cart over the rocks. And man, he's starting to sweat and it's awful. And man, alive. I mean, and at some point, he's just, he's beside himself. He's, he's done. He can't do anymore. And he, he gets mad and he stops. Oh, this is so tiring. And the next thing, God shows up and says, what's the matter? He says, I can't believe this. I can't get this thing to the top of the mountain. I can't believe you asked me to do this. And God looks over into the cart and says, but I didn't give you those rocks. Those, that bag of small rocks, that wasn't yours. I gave that to so-and-so. 
You hear what I'm saying? And what's all this sand? I, this, this sand, that's not, I didn't give that to you. I gave that to so-and-so. All I gave you was these three rocks. Y'all know what borrowed worries are? So God proceeds to take the things that he did not give the man out of the cart. The man rests for a moment and goes back at, back at his cart and finds his way being able to, again, because he's got the strength of God with him, with the jobs that God gave him, amen, and now he's able to make it up the mountain. Yes, it's hard, but he's able to do it. We tend to borrow other people's worries. Uh, ACE has a very good uh, uh, training program. ACE is a school, is a, uh, a home school, or a, you can run it at a normal school. Actually, it's best run at a, a normal school. But the program teaches the teachers how to teach. And one of the programs that they have to take, one of the units they have to take, is on authority and responsibility. And it's called monkey business. And it, it basically means you have a monkey. You can only be given mo- a monkey by the boss. Okay? Your responsibility is to take care of that monkey. Feed it. Make sure it's all good. And the only monkey, only monkeys that you are to feed and take care of are the ones the boss gives you. Okay? You cannot hand that monkey off to anyone else. And you can't give it back. Okay? You can't give it back. The boss has to take it back. And you can't kill it. (laughs) You can't kill the monkey. Only the boss can kill a monkey. So it's your job to feed the monkey. I mean, it really is a great illustration because I can't tell you how many times me, I worked in middle management at a church for a while, and next thing you know, I, I get a little hint from one of the other employees that someone else is not doing their work. They're passing their work off to another staff member who is not saying no. And so I approached said staff member, and, and the one who's getting it, and I said, are, are you... Are you doing this particular job? Yes. But that's not the job you were given. That was that person's job. Well, yeah, but they were saying they didn't have to. No, no. You only do the job you're given. And if they come asking you for, for you to do their job, you tell them no, and they have to go back to the boss and explain either why they can't, and there are good reasons sometimes why a job cannot be done. I mean, that. Sometimes bosses have great visions, okay? Human bosses have great visions, and sometimes those visions aren't possible at all or possible by the person who's given them. But I had to teach him, you learn to say no. You learn to say no. You tell him no. That's your job. You do it. You know, there's a lot of borrowed things that we bring to ourselves, a lot of borrowed worries, sometimes even uh, borrowed issues, that we borrow from other people, and we worry and fuss and fret. I wonder if some of us would, would pay attention. What are the things that God expects you to do today? Now just, just think about that a minute. What are the responsibilities that God has given you for you to accomplish today? And just those. It's amazing. If you start filtering out all the other stuff, you can start really defining it down a little bit more simply. And actually, it'll help you reprioritize a few things too. So like, um, I, and there are sometimes competing, competing things that have to work, but I'm a pastor and a father, and those two are extremely important. 
And guess what? Today I have to be a pastor and a father. Those are big rocks. Those are, those are responsibilities God has given me to bear. And God is also giving me the ability, the strength, His Holy Spirit power to accomplish those jobs that He's given me uh, by my trust and faith in Him. Um, if I run around doing a lot of other stuff, I won't do the things that I'm, you hear what I'm saying? I'll end up not doing what I'm supposed to do. We are supposed to be good stewards of God's stuff. And God hasn't given us everything. Right? Everybody in here driving a Mercedes Benz and Ferraris? Some, I mean, some of you could probably afford them, but you know, you know what I'm saying. God has given you, you take care of what God has given you. You aren't responsible for the number of gifts you're given. You're just responsible for the ones that he has given you. So number one, everything belongs to God. Number two, every believer is a steward of God's stuff. Steward means you know, like a person who's taking, who's watching over. Okay, and We'll look at that even a little bit further, that definition. Number three, the primary requirement of a steward, and you all know the answer to this if I say it right, the chief requirement of a steward is that they be found faithful. That's 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Notice it does not say talented. It does not say energetic. It does not say gifted. Matter of fact, I'm just telling you, I do believe that we should use our talents for God-honoring things, but talent is the, one of the biggest distractions to doing the work of God that there ever was. I'm just telling you. I, I sincerely believe that talents and the gifts of the Spirit that God gives us to be used in a church are two distinct things. And God expects us to use the gifts, and we probably have some responsibility to use the talents, but the gifts are preeminent. Uh, I'm just what if God puts you in a spot where you have no talent and he puts a responsibility? Is your, is your responsibility going to be, but God, I'm not talented for this. Is that going to be what you're going to try to tell God? I'm not talented for this. And God's going to say, your talent was beside the point. I gave you a job to do and all you needed to be was faithful. Could we, could we apply that real quick to, the, to outreach, <laughs> giving out the gospel? I'm not talented at that. I'm not either. I've sat and listened to people and say, man, I wish I could talk to people like that. I wish I, could, I wish I could segue from a normal conversation right into the gospel that easily. And I, I can't. I, I mean, I do it. I work at it. It, it comes across like an elephant tripping down the stairs, but you know. Does everybody hear? God, God, God did not give us talents based, or God gives gifts, things to be done, resources based upon our talent. He did it so to teach us to be faithful, and we must be faithful because the primary requirement of steward is. So, number one, everything belongs to God. Number two, every believer is a steward of God's stuff. And number three, the chief requirement of steward is faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm telling you, just, just those three by themselves, those three principles by themselves, if you were to focus on those three principles, will change your life as a believer in how you 
uh, handle your day, what you do in the day, what you think about the things that you're going to do in the day, what you look at the thing that you're doing at that moment. I'm a steward of God's stuff. Then why am I doing this right now? You know what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Okay. I love my dad always used to say, let me hear your marbles rattle. Because he wanted he wanted to see this. And I'm just my one is is everybody here. Because I want to make sure everybody's still in the room. <clears throat> Amen. It's funny. You know how how I use the term, I want your minds in the building. Make sure your minds in the building. I just got done reading the story of um, the, the 1936 University of Washington Huskies team that won the gold in Berlin at the Olympics. Uh, and one of their mantras was MIB, mind in the boat. Mind in the boat. Because they, to function together, they all had to be present in the boats. Anyways, all right. So, stewards of what? Stewards of what? All right, so let's work on this. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.16 Okay, you fill in the blank. Redeeming the blank because the days are evil. Time. Redeeming the time. What does that mean? It means you need to be a, pay attention to what you're spending your time on. That, now listen, does this mean that God expects us every moment of every day to be nonstop all the time? You know, does God expect us to do that? No. Would that be a good goal? Yes. Are we going to reach that? Probably not. Is there anything wrong with resting? No. Matter of fact, to be a good steward, it's funny, I've tried to even teach my family, my kids, especially as they walk off, well, I don't need sleep. Actually, you do. The studies are so many that link sleep to productivity that it's ridiculous. It's not just a couple. You need sleep to have productivity. You have to have it. Same job, eight hours of sleep, is drastically more efficient than the same job with four hours of sleep. I mean, substantially more efficient and more productive. Let me read this to you. Uh, It's good. The author's unknown. No time to read. No time to pray. No time to serve the Lord today. No time to teach in Sunday school. No time for life is very full. No time to give a gospel tract. No time to do a kindly act. No time to seek as Jesus sought. No time, for life is very short. No time to call upon a friend. No time, even though he's near the end. No time to share another's care. No time, for life is such a tear. No time, how much is spent on self. How much time on gaining worldly wealth. How much on seeking place and ease do you have time for only these? I'm reminded of the, the oft-repeated phrase, I'm so repeated so much now I don't even think we know who for sure said it, but only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Think about your time. The things that you're spending your time on now, how much of the things that you're spending your time on, like let's just say today, how much of that's going to matter in eternity? How much of it will be forgotten in eternity? Just a a fair question. Don't start thinking you've you've got a halo on because we're all going to be judged by fire and most of us are going to see a lot of ashes and be thankful for a few jewels by the grace of God. Amen. 
So, number one was time. Number two, stewardship of the truth. The truth to each believer has been to each believer, to every member of a, of a, of a New Testament church has been committed the gospel of Christ. Okay? Um, think about what Paul said. Uh, in reference to himself and to the people that ministered to the church at Corinth. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, let, so, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now, 1 Corinthians 5 is where I'd like you to turn to. 1 Corinthians 5. You turn there. I'm going to read you a couple more verses. You turn to 1 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read you 1 Timothy 1.11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul takes that personally. It wasn't just given to him, though, was it? The gospel was not just given to Paul, was it? No, it was given to all of the church, if you will, right there when, as the Lord ascended into heaven. But Paul took it as a personal commitment. Okay? Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, go down to verse 19. Partway through the verse you'll see, And hath committed unto us, committed unto us, that's us plural, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. We, we, you, me, Paul, the next generation, are ambassadors for Christ. We are stewards of the truth of the gospel. Every one of us. Yes. Oh, 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, I read that one out of my notes, so forgive me. I will correct that. Yeah, you know what? I know that as soon as I look at that verse, too. That's what I get for trusting my notes a little too implicitly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20. Is that it? Do I need to look that up? Okay, very good. Every Christian, again, Paul took that, personal, that, that responsibility personally, as should we. Every Christian has a responsibility to give the gospel to a lost and dying world. So our time and the truth... Okay, number three, stewardship of our talents. Well, here's where we're going to get into it a little bit. Again, we can, we can talk about the talents out of Matthew 25. You all know those aren't, those were, those, that's referencing a, a, a measurement of money, okay? It's a weight of money in Matthew 25. A talent was a, a talent of gold, a talent of silver. They weighed so much money, okay? So, again, based on that passage, though, believers are not going to be judged on the amount of, talent they have, but what they did with the talent that they did have. Not the amount of talent that they have, but what they did with the talent that they did have. Um, so, the New Testament introduces to us, because we know we have talent, okay? There's people who are talented at things, right? You understand that? Uh, and talent is... Talents are broad, aren't they? I mean, some are very useful, some are just fun. Um, like, 
like people who make a lot of money at sports. If we ever got in real trouble in the planet, there's, there's not a whole lot about sports that actually contributes to survival, except for maybe a distraction from the cares of the world, okay? Which has happened in some time, but typically to survive, we need other talents. We need people who, are, who, can, who can look at a field and know uh, what that soil is going to grow, if that soil is going to grow, uh, what it needs to make it grow. We need people who have talents to look at animals and know this animal's good. But my grandpa, my grandpa, I, I loved walking through the forest with him because he could point at a tree, he could tell you, you could show him the leaf, you could show him the bark, and he could tell you what kind of tree it was and uh, what it was good for, if, you know, whether it was a softwood or a hardwood, if it was good for anything. I, I, I envied that. That was interesting. Have you ever seen a guy who's just really good as a carpenter with wood? He understands wood. It's like he talks to the wood and it talks back. And they, and they make stuff that's just unbelievable. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's, there's talent. And like, um, I mean, I look in the room. There are people in the room who are gifted with food. And I'm thankful for that. Some of you, some of you my sister, she's one of those that she could have like two ingredients in the house uh, and make something that you want again every year for that same day the rest of your life because it's just outstanding, you know. And then there's, there's, there's people who, I mean, I think of the ladies down in the kitchen, the people who, the, they, they make that kitchen work. They make it clean. I, dirty kitchens are just gross. I've seen a few. And people who can keep a, a kitchen clean. I think about Brother John being able to cut hair. I mean, you know, we could, we, we could point, uh, point at a lot of different people. There's, different people have talents. Some people have talents with repair. Some people have ta- talents with big. Those are all good. Those are things we have naturally. And yes, you should be a good steward of those things. But the New Testament introduces us to another realm. And again, we'll reference that in, in 1 Corinthians. But 1 Peter is one of, the, one of the big ones. 1 Peter chapter 4. Why don't you turn there? 1 Peter chapter 4. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're, all, we're introduced to the fact that God gives, 11 and 12, God gives members gifts not talents, they're called gifts, to be used in their local church as, as part of that membership. Okay? Right? Okay, make sure. So those are called gifts. They're to be used to edify the Lord's churches and the people in the church. First Peter chapter 4. I'm gonna look, I did look this one up earlier today, so, but I'm going to do it again now because now I'm unsure of myself. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's linking the fact that through the grace of God, you were given a gift of grace, if we could call it that, by God, not a talent. You have talents also. You were given a gift of grace by God when you were, get, when you were made a member of this church and that gift is to be used by you for the glory of God and by the grace of God in this church. Talent and gift. Well, I don't know what that gift is. I bet you if you asked the Lord and prayed about it, you'd find out. And sometimes, just ask someone else, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. that There are some things that um, people have and they're gifted at, um, and it's obvious. 
Uh, but sometimes the reason it's not is because we haven't been practicing anything. And there's a good list of gifts. I mean, the Bible gives us several good lists of gifts, things like right in our own passage. We've got things like charity and hospitality just right here, okay, and gospel preaching. Those things are to be used here in this church or whatever church you'd be a joint, joining to be a member of, okay? Does everybody connect the dots there? All right. It's going to work well. I think we're going to get right up to tithing and save it for next week so that all those people at miss can catch out on that one. So talents and gifts. Okay, next is we are to be, and I think this is a bit of a stretch in some ways, although I think, you, I think you'll understand the concept here, okay? To be good stewards of our testimony. And this is more of an example. Uh, it's more of an example in Scripture. Think of the woman... Uh, it, what is it? It's in uh, in First Peter, where Peter tells says that a woman can win her husband by her own testimony, her husband being lost. Okay, that's not a that's not a law. Okay, it's not a guarantee, but it's saying that one of the ways that a woman can help win a man is by her testimony to win not win a man to marriage, but win a man to the Lord, her husband to the Lord. But in First Thessalonians chapter five. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we have this, we have this uh, encouragement to good stewardship with our testimony. And that's 1 Thessalonians, some of you already know what verse I'm going to, but 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay? Now, you all understand that appearance of evil is a constantly shifting thing. So you know what I'm, is everybody here? Okay. Like for instance, if, uh, if you were to live in small town Idaho and you were to go out to eat, one of the only places to eat might be the local bar and grill or restaurant with a bar. Okay. Uh, and you're going to go out to eat at the restaurant and just because you go there, people don't associate you with being a drunk. You get the picture? It's the local place to eat. If you were to live in Kentucky or Missouri where there are dry counties and you were to drive over the county line and go to the bar and grill, it would be an obvious indicator out here, hello, that you were seeking more than just food. Does everybody follow the, the connection here? So the idea being that the appearance of evil is something that changes with culture. It changes with timing. It changes with generations. It, I mean, it, it, it's, it can change beyond belief. So what you have to do in your life, you have to be a good, good steward in your life and with the people that, don't worry, listen, we get so caught up with what so-and-so out in you know, New York says or so-and-so in Oklahoma says or so-and-so in California says. You don't interact with those people. You interact with the people here in Jerome. What is the appearance of evil here in Jerome? Avoid it. Don't do it. Don't go there. You hear what I'm, is everybody? Okay. Avoid the appearance of evil. That's not saying there's not some things that God doesn't have a little bit more set in stone than some people would like to admit. Okay. But avoid the appearance of evil. So you are, to, you are to be a good steward of your testimony. And this verse kind of gives us a clue that, yeah, you know what? Now, here's the deal. Can we be falsely accused of things? 
Have Christians been falsely accused of things through time? All through time. So while you, while you, you, you can't have a perfect line on this, okay? You just can't, you can't constantly worry about what everybody in the world thinks. Matter of fact, that's not what this purpose is, worrying about what people thinks. Thinks, worrying about what people think. But it's being a, a good steward, a good testimony to the people that you know and are around today, the people you interact with, avoiding the, the appearance of evil. Hey, want to, I mean, you know, it's the Friday night. Hey, come and drink with us. No, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. If, if y'all want to, if y'all want to, you know, go and get a Coke on Tuesday night or grab coffee for lunch on Thursday, great. But I'm not going to the bar with you on Friday night. <laughs> okay, whatever it might, you get the picture. Let's, so avoid the appearance of evil. Amen. Well, I'm not going to go there. We'll, uh, we'll just keep on rolling. You understand generationally, again, there's, there's differences generationally. So what, what used to be thought of as, I can't believe they would do that, is now like, huh? Why, why would that be wrong? I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. I'm not trying to be argumentative. I just don't see why that's wrong. Why is that wrong? Can you show me? But for another generation, it was absolutely wrong. Okay? So... Just, just kind of throwing that out there. You pick your own application there. If I start pulling applications out of the hat, we're going to start hitting somebody, and I'd rather not do that right now. So stewardship over testimony. Lastly, and then we'll cover treasure next week, is stewardship of our body, our physical temple. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians in chapter 6. <clears throat> Some of you already know the verse here we're going to also. So if you go to verse, uh, we could look at um, the subject at the end here is it's kind of general. He begins to talk about verse 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats. And he talks about that, but then he talks about uh, fornication and he, he walks through fornication. Uh, verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Here's our text. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Now we know this is not talking about the church body, because he's talking about fornication. Okay? So obviously the, the context is the, a person's physical body. For what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Is that the first principle? Everything belongs to God. Yes, that's the first principle. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You have a responsibility, a responsibility to care for the temple of the Holy Ghost, this body that does not belong to you. Your body does not belong to you. Ouch. Just think about that a little bit. Come on, just one more piece of cake? (laughs) How about three more pieces of cake? I'll have thirds. Uh, Okay, or any other number of things. Well, listen, we think about this. We, in our culture, even, even even amongst Christians, we tend to elevate sports to a really high level. But I'm just telling you, all of us who have been involved with sports 
in seriousness to any level can tell you that we are paying for that now. Not saying you shouldn't be in good shape, but sports, especially in our, especially in our culture, you have to be playing at such a high level. Think about baseball players. They're, they're a peak physical performance. You can't get much, much more, uh, I mean, Lance Armstrong, biking, that is one of the, you have to be in the best shape of the world. It's swimming and biking are two of the things you have to be in unbelievably good shape. You know, I think the only thing worse is rowing. But in biking, here he is. He's already at the top of the field. He's already winning championships. He's got his body stretched out max, but he feels like he has to do just a little bit more, mess with substances. That he's not being a good steward of his body. Okay, you understand. We have to be a good steward of our body. That means being careful, uh, being cautious. Not, not, not overly cautious, but you do have to think this is an investment that God has made and I need to take care of it so that I can be useful. It's appointed on the man once to die. Yeah, but you can live in misery till you get to that point. <laughs> Why do that? Why do that? Okay? So take care of the... Now, does that mean that we're all blessed with the same level of bodily health? No. But you are responsible for the body that God gave you. Amen. We serve the Lord in our physical body. Right? We serve the Lord in our physical body. So it's therefore incumbent upon us that we take care of it. All right? Again, within the limitations of Scripture. So don't, don't, don't think I'm trying to carry that into walk around with yourself wrapped in bubble wrap all your life. That's not what I'm saying by any stretch. So... Um, Think of Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's just reasonable. Now, so I, I really would, I would ask you, start thinking about any substance you're putting in your body. Okay? Now, everything in this world is cursed. I mean, you remember when we were told that, oh, Salt, it'll kill you. Oh, no, it's good for you. Oh, peanut butter, it'll kill you. No, it's good for you. Eggs, it'll, they'll kill you. No, it's good for you. The reason they can't figure that out is because the world is cursed and everything's dying and everything you eat is going to contribute to that death. Okay? Everything that goes in, even the air we breathe, is going to contribute to that death. This is a cursed world. So we're not talking about freaking out over every little bitty thing, you know, Oh, it might make my blood pressure go up a half of, half of this or a little bit of that or now. And following every fad. Science is faddish too. Don't even get the whole idea that science does not, is not faddish. But pay attention, be wise. Well, we're talking about stuff that's obviously bad for you. Like alcohol. Like drugs. And we could go on and on, Okay. We could go on and on. Lots of different things. There's plenty of stuff. So, now, I'm going to finish with this. And this is something we don't think about. And I, 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 need, you to, I need you to put on your thinking cap here for just a, five more minutes. Okay? Part of your body is your brain. Part of your body is your brain. And this is just Tim speak here right now. This is, what, 3 Timothy? Would that be all right? Can I say 3 Timothy? That your 
your body and your soul and your spirit are connected in your brain. The mind. If, if I say, where is your mind, where are you going to point? It's right there. <laughs> no, you're going to go, it's here. Okay, your brain, your brain has a health. And it is affected by the things that you put in it. Physically and by sight and sound. Well, you know, and listen, listen. Your brain, I believe there is probably some limited storage, but even at that, with an amazing amount of storage it has, it typically, it typically regurgitates what you've been stuffing in it lately. I don't know if you, if you know that or not, but the bio, your brain regurgitates what you've been putting in it lately. In other words, you have a major problem to handle tomorrow, the brain is going to use what's in its recent memory, what you've been doing and putting into it for the last several weeks or months, in how to handle that problem. You all with me? So if you've done very little Bible reading and you've been listening to your favorite country station the whole time, your brain's going to be suggesting things that are much more along the line of worldly response than godly response. Are you following me? Okay. Your brain has a health, and your brain is a, your brain's part of your body, and you're responsible for what you do with that brain, what goes in. Garbage in, garbage out. You've heard that before, right? Okay? And the Bible tells us, Jesus says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. Right? So if, if you're having a hard time with what comes out, you might all start paying attention to what's going in. Amen? Because the rest of Romans 12, what does it say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be, trans- be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Having a hard time discovering what God's will is. Then your mind is being conformed, not transformed. And you need to get in the book. Amen. You need to get in the book. Uh, amen. So we'll leave treasure and, and money for, the, for next week. But that is the beginning of, our, of stewardship. Stewardship. Amen. I knew I was going to break it. That, was a, that was ended up being a good breaking point right there. Stewardship. <clears throat> amen. I've... I've uh, Partially for diet, but partially just for my own sake. I have needed to get fast again to make sure my own heart and mind is where the Lord wants me to be. And, uh, to, and I, am, I am shocked with just a little bit of fasting. I think I've told you this before, how my body's turning into the biggest princess ever. Wanting what it wants, demanding what it wants, and pushing, I mean amazingly hard for, no, you can't do this. And what's funny is it's not always food. Food's actually right now is the easiest part. But you understand that the body, the soul, and the spirit are all tied together. And so my body is reaching for the thing that it thinks it needs to cope instead of going to God for peace. And at this point, I'm telling it, well, suck it up, buttercup, because there's more of this coming. If this is, if this is how the response is, then, then my body's going to see some more fasting. Because Paul said, what did he say? 
buffet my body daily. I bring it into subjection because my purpose is not to serve my body, it's to serve Christ. Amen. All right. Good stewards. Good stewards. Father.